Hey everyone, this is my brother Michael. My brother Adam. We're the Sharp Brothers. You're listening to Mentoring for the Modern Musician. One day, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to mentoring, mentoring for the, the modern musician. musician. Very excited. Very today. exciting today. It's going to be a really short intro because we this we're going to have a really nice conversation with uh, Mr. Jeff Harrison, who from is Scary Monsters. Exactly. Uh, manages management. A couple of bands you might know. You know, Hippocampus. Hippocampus. There's a famous uh, indie band called Low that you yeah. know. You know, Ryan. I mean, Elvis Costello and Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy and Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. You know, they like. Well, they, anyway, they'd like them. You know, huge, huge deal. Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Rainbow Kitten Surprise was amazing. And our our personal favorite new band, Ripe. Ripe, who you guys know, we've talked about, um, and uh, just some phenomenal stuff. Like, what's great about this is it gives you a a, a look into Let's pull that curtain back. Yeah, and, and into the mind of in the life of somebody who's an incredibly successful manager. Mm-hmm. Where somebody like that might come from, what kind of path they might have. Which you could never duplicate. Which you can't duplicate. But also, what kinds of things he thinks about artists. Absolutely. And and what's good about the industry and what's bad about the industry. and but Relationships, all from a real, man. Relationships, man. Exactly. <laughs> but all from a, this really, really cool, uh, positive perspective. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, this is, you guys are in for a treat. Definitely. Well, and before we get started, just thanks to uh, thanks uh, to all of our new listeners out there. Yes, uh, we um, really appreciate it. Really appreciate we know it. We saw some people from uh, Australia again and Taiwan. Yes. Very excited about that. And and please make sure that you share this podcast with people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Our, our our hope with this is to get all. We're on of this. a mission. We're on a mission, man. We're on a mission <laughs> We're, to get this information out to as many musicians, you know, emerging. Absolutely, because man, do we want to save you that alone feeling and that yeah. overwhelmed and helpless feeling. And again, you know, give you a little bit of uh, talk time with somebody who probably wouldn't take your call. Exactly. So, But they took ours. They did. Very excited about it. Ooh. Here we go, you guys. We are very, very excited to, uh, to talk to you this morning um, about everything that is Jeff Harrison. Exactly. All it's uh, my favorite topic. All, that's good. <laughs> then then, then is, you are in the right business, my friend. This is going to go great. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrific. So, so why don't, we, why don't we start at the beginning? So, where, when, when did you first? When did music first bite you, and you had no choice but to be around it and do it? As far as I can remember back, uh, like I would save up my allowance from the age of six to buy cassettes, cassettes. at Caldors. Yes. Caldors, yes. yes. Wow. At Caldors, yes, um, and uh, amongst other places. But sure, no, I. Sure. I I also, I guess my first purchase though was was Michael Jackson's Thriller in 1983 when I was six, oh, uh, and that was on that was on vinyl. But then I, <laughs> but then if I recall, cassettes were cheaper than vinyl. Oh yeah, so absolutely. I realized that I could buy more right. if I bought it on cassette <laughs> instead of vinyl. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I yeah, was already man. scheming at the age of six. So, Actually, you were yeah, a young no, entrepreneur. You had a young entrepreneurial spirit. That's what that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, I still, uh, scary monsters. My my management company's logo is is really a throwback to somewhere between Thriller and Cripple Rain. Oh man, uh, I was really big into Billy Idol when I was six. He was yes. pretty much the coolest, coolest going. Uh, and now I've come to like think of him as like. That rebel yell, uh, uh, 
drum track is like the best sounding drums from the 80s and i think it inspired a lot of the the worst sounding drum uh sounds yes. that followed. <laughs> yes well put so, well sister yes exactly yeah so so no as long as far back as i uh as i can remember uh and then started playing guitar around 12 and then got into really geeky guitar music uh nice. mike mike stern was my oh, favorite guitarist for a good while beautiful uh my my guitar teacher in high school uh, a guy named mark campbell who's uh still gigging around the boston area um but he he was really influential to me and turned me on to jazz and a lot of different kinds of music that I hadn't heard before the age of, you know, 13. Uh, and also got into Ozzy Osbourne around that time as well. So, oh, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Randy, oh, Randy Rhodes. Randy, Randy Rhodes oh, was Randy like, Rhodes. was God. God. So, yes. Yes. Uh, but I've always, I've always had a, a real love of all kinds of music. I, I actually picked up the guitar when I was, you know, 11 or 12 because i didn't understand that like in hip-hop songs at the time like ice ice baby they were playing uh, a bass not a guitar <laughs> i think that's good that you misunderstood that uh, absolutely yeah yeah so i'm really uh, i'm really burying my soul right now but, uh... <laughs> that's good all right so what that sound were you up near boston did you grow yeah, up near Boston? Yeah, I was up near Boston, actually. I grew up in a, in a town called Hingham on the South Shore. Oh, yeah. Boston, yeah, so. South Shore, baby. Nice. Yeah, so uh, so that's where I was. And, you know, I listened to, to I mean, it was, uh, I got really into, like, Tribe Called Quest for a while. Uh, yeah, so I've had yeah. a pretty eclectic, uh, wasn't always just vanilla ice, but uh, right. no, an eclectic, <laughs> uh, eclectic mix of music. And I think that that's my management career kind of followed suit, uh, managing everything from a bluegrass band to a yeah. female rapper to, uh, to by one of the, yeah, one of the coolest, uh, and most influential indie rock bands in their, of their generation low, low to, yeah. uh, you know, indie pop band hippocampus. Uh, so it's been, and you know, a band named Rainbow Kid and Surprise as well, whose uh, genre less as the press has been saying about them. So, oh, nice. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been something that's kind of uh, well. Let's not forget Lizzo. Who I, yes, and, and Lizzo, who's who's breaking all sorts of breaking all sorts of walls down and yeah. uh, being an incredible uh, influence on young females uh, and just people in general. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I managed her for about four years. Uh, and yeah, we, we ended up parting ways when uh, it seemed like our paths were going in different directions when I started my own management company. And it seemed like she needed somebody who was all in all right. the time uh, yes. in yeah. her well, world. And so, sure. you know, these things, these things happen. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That's... So, uh, so yeah, well, so, I... I, you know. That's that's my my uh, tangential backstory. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love no, it. I love it. And I, I love hearing that. And it makes sense to me now when I look at your management career and early artist development stuff that you did. That you have this really eclectic, diverse taste in music. That it's really more just about good music rather than one genre. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I actually I actually say a lot. That like good music. Uh, transcends genre, and yeah. you know, I, when I managed Trample by Turtles, uh, I managed for about seven years. Uh, but people would say, I don't like bluegrass, but I love Trample by Turtles, and you know, it, it kind of holds true for most of the artists that I've managed. Is that you know, I, I don't, 
is that they seem to transcend genres a little bit. And I think that, that yeah. if, if artists are showing their, if artists are bearing their soul, it can transcend, uh, transcend genres and just touch people. Absolutely. So, yeah. That, Absolutely. That, that completely makes sense. Just a real quick aside. I, I, I'm just really curious. Did trampled by turtles do the pixies cover on their own or was that your influence? No, they were, <laughs> they were actually doing it for, for years, even before, uh, we managed them. Uh, we did convince them to, uh, to record, record it. it. Yes. <laughs> call, and man. to put, and to put that video together, there's a really cool kind of fan focused video that was, uh, it's, it's a cool video. So, um, oh, that's great. Yeah. They, they're an interesting one. They, they were not going to make a video for a song named wait so long, uh, which is a really, really simple video, but they just said they were not into videos and I can't even recall how we ended up convincing them to just give it a shot. And it's a really simple video, but it's beautifully shot and beautifully lit. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've always thought that videos are the best when they amplify what is great about a song. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and what's great about that song is just the sheer speed and power uh, <laughs> that it kind of exudes. And I think that, you know, the video just focuses a, a lot on their hands and on their 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 knees and feet tapping and, yeah. and it focuses on the rhythm. And, you know, we ended up uh, for a minute, uh, MySpace would when you would share videos on MySpace and then I guess on Facebook, they would Facebook would allow you to see how many people had shared the video. So if you type yeah. in the URL to share, it would say like, you know, 742 people have shared this video. It, right, right. Uh, by the end of, you know, by the by the end of that functionality existing, uh, that video had been shared like half a million times on Facebook. So wow. it's, uh, without that video, I don't think that that song would have had the trajectory that it had. Yeah, well, yes. that, exp that explains why it's had so many streams, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and, and uh, you know, it's it's at 10 million. It's tough to make sense of streams and how many is a lot when you've got, you know, <laughs> uh, Drake, you know, putting up billions <laughs> yeah. on every song, or you've got uh, Psy and uh, Gangnam Style at 3 billion, so. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and every Ed Sheeran song over a billion, you know. And, oh, yeah, there, there you go. There you but, go. So, uh, But for a bluegrass a band, man, 26 million streams. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it uh, it's it's cool. I mean, I think I think in that case, it, they were great at writing pop songs and then orchestrating them in unique bluegrass yeah. uh, arranged ways. So. Oh, yeah, that's a perfect description. Like a good manager should, you have a perfect description for what they did, what they executed well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes, yes. If you can't distill it in a <laughs> sentence, then what are you, what are you, what are you doing? That's right. You know what? And I'd say I think that Michael's right. Maybe if you can't distill in a sentence whatever's going on with the band, don't get into management. That would be a yeah. bad career choice, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it might be a bad career choice regardless. <laughs> Spoken as every successful manager I've ever talked to. Is so that's that. great. Yes, so I yes. love. I want to jump on top of something that you that you. Uh, it was great to me that you just uh, mentioned MySpace, because one of the things I really appreciated about looking uh, researching your background was your time with Jambase. Yes. And I would love for you to, I mean, to me, the fact that you were doing social media in 2002, it, that's incredible. It's so forward thinking, man. Yeah, man. So yeah. Forward yeah. Jambase was uh, and is a website, a tour da database similar to 
song kick or bands in town or polestar uh and at the time in 2002 there weren't polestar was the only uh database that existed so if you wanted to see a band that uh you know uh at wherever paradise rock club you would have to go to their website if they even had one not paradise i'm sure had right. one in 2002 yeah, yeah. but but right. many venues didn't even have websites at this point in time uh and you would have to go and search website by website there was not a central place where you could col collectively easily get uh concerts that were not in you know arenas basically which was what polestar was covering so you know, through that, uh, a guy named Andy Gadiel, who uh, was the co-founder of Jambase, he uh, started taking people's zip codes down when they would register and then <laughs> realized that he could wow. write uh, write a program to send emails to people within a certain distance from that zip code. So he uh, was, as far as I know, the first guy doing geo-targeted email marketing in the music space. And at, at one point, Jambase was... Uh, Clear Channel, which then became Live Nation and then yep. spun off Live Nation, but we were Clear Channel's largest advertising account nationally um, wow, with wow. the business we were doing, um, which says to you also that very few people were doing national <laughs> uh, campaigns. It was, you know, we were we were competing against, you know, Boston right. Globe uh, right, right. print ads, basically, right. but 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 nationally. So. Uh, so yeah, so it was it was a good experience. Uh, it 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 was a site that was too soon. Uh, right. it, it came to market. You know, by the time I left there, Songkick and Bands in Town were coming up, and it was right. uh, a little bit. Uh, it made me quite angry <laughs> seeing them yeah. jump in and right. already in a 2.0 web space that we were trying desperately to morph towards. But when you're uh, built on like a web, you know, the original web model, it's really tough to morph and keep yes. your business model intact. So right. uh, is what it is. But, uh, you know, I also realized I didn't want to sell geotargeted emails for the rest of my, <laughs> my life. So, uh, but it's, but an, it's the, it's, I, an, it's the musical bone quite as well. Right. Yeah. But uh, funny stories. I actually met trampled by turtles when they reached out to buy a jam based email from me. There you go. So, man. <laughs> okay, there you go. So there you That's go. it. That's all things have yeah. right there. So, uh, so it's funny how all these things connect, but, uh, but yeah, then I, it was a great experience in learning how to, you know, kind of harness the power of the, the internet at that time. And yeah. you know, I think for, for what trampled by turtles needed at that time, it was somebody who really just pushed, uh, pushed internet marketing out for them because they had a very viral product um, and it needed yeah. so they needed to put together you know a a product that could be shared on the internet and then right, uh, just right. tour their tour their butts off and that was jambase's other strength was you know i knew knew most club promoters around the country and and had built a lot of relationships in that space just from actually from selling ads for them which, <laughs> so, is, right, right, right. which is perfect uh, yeah, so yeah. It, it just kind of it just kind of happened, and you know, happened. And also, uh, it, you know, towards the end, I was working a full time job at Jambase, and then managing a band in Backyard Tire Fire, which was the first band I managed, and then 
Trampled by Pearls, I really know how to pick the names of the bands that I work Definitely, with. Definitely, man, uh, you do. You totally do. Yeah. That's what we're yeah, going to do. Was... Anytime we find a band with a cool name, we're going to go, I wonder if Jeff manages these guys. <laughs> or, if, yes, or at least yes. has he heard of them yet? If he doesn't, we will forward them to you. <laughs> exactly. you know, yes, yes. Rainbow Kid and Surprise. Right. Uh, right. Trampled, Hippocampus. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ripe is the one. Ripe and Low and Lizzo are the uh, outliers. In no, that, but I uh, love that because they're the, they're the one name band names that still sound really cool right yeah right right yeah so, yeah, still... low, don't, I, don't, uh, if you're a musician out there don't pick a, a word like low to go by because the internet uh, search optimization does not, does not... Uh, go very no not the but, best uh, for internet optimization word searches <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly but uh but but yeah anyway they did trample by turtles uh, it was you know what, what i think they needed was that person who could uh, kind of harness what they were doing and and push it out there further and it just so happened that uh, right place right time and right you know uh, kind of talent for what they needed. Yeah. yeah well, you so. know, I the the thing that I want that that I want to jump on there a little bit that that Adam and I talk about all the time is these relationships that you had made while you're with Jam Base coming in strong to help you in your you know new endeavor as a manager it, it's so these relationships that we make in this industry are so crucial yes for success absolutely right yeah absolutely i mean the first band i managed back there tire fire uh they they couldn't sell tickets anywhere outside of illinois um, they can barely sell them there but you know i got a promoter in louisville billy hardison uh production simple to book them opening for you know national acts he had coming through there in louisville which was you know usually Huge. promoters are not putting a band with basically no draw on from a different state on right, their right. local shows so through that but you know there was there was uh uh billy hardison at production simple and then uh and then uh brett mossman and uh in Kansas City and Lawrence, whose daughter now is actually Hippocampus's co-agent, uh, but he, <laughs> wow. he he booked a bottleneck, and I had a great relationship with him, and you know, so it was it was right. really just figuring out angles of how I think it's it's always just figuring out the angles on how what you know relationships you have can you know be uh, utilized for to you know ultimately help both both parties oh, uh, I still do right. shows with Billy still do shows with Billy Hardison you know he just did a sold-out show 1500 cap show in Lexington Kentucky with Rainbow Kid and Surprise he sold out a couple you know numerous trampled by turtle shows so it's not a uh, it, it's really just figuring out how to how to utilize the relationships and whatever strengths you have uh, to your right. advantage absolutely uh, so absolutely yeah, yeah. but yeah, along that around that time though too, I had a I had a guy named Adam Haft who was a real mentor to me, and he had been at major labels uh, before 9/11 had happened. And I say 9/11 because a lot of shakeups happened in the major labels after that time, and yep. people lost their jobs and and either changed careers or in Adam Haft's case, he moved out to San Francisco uh, and started managing some jam bands out in San Francisco. So that's how I knew him, but but. Along the way, he started telling me like that I was going to be a manager, and at the time, I didn't really know what that was, uh, right. what that you know I it didn't I didn't know what what role that you know person played, and and but but just through hearing him say it over and over, I started to believe that, 
and started to just investigate, okay, what does a manager do? Oh, they, they oversee every aspect of an artist's career. So you need to know stuff about publicity, radio, labels, deals, uh, touring, uh, production, all of these different areas. And, you know, I really went out of my way to read about different aspects of the business so that when I would get into conversations with a pro in that area, I could at least have a conversation with them. That's brilliant. Yeah, because it, it, it at least enough to fake it, which is, uh, you know, uh, it, also doing things like going to conferences and knowing who was going to be there and knowing what bands they were, yes. knowing uh, what labels those bands were on, seeing the connection between bands, labels, agents, so that you, you know, could at least ask one or two relevant questions. Right, and yes, they, right. And they didn't think you were, uh, didn't think you were too big of an idiot. So, <laughs> so that's always yeah. a good thing. Yes, when exactly. I turn it on, so that people don't think you're an idiot. That's a good exactly. thing. Yeah, be a good guy. Anyway. And, yeah, no, that's perfect. So, um, I would love to. Uh, so you talked about it this time, not even early on, not being a manager, and then you got into that. Um, in uh, around what time was that? Was that when you started with um, Thirty Tigers? So I started, uh, when I started managing, around 2009, I started managing Trample by Turtles, and I was also okay. managing Backyard Tire Fire, as well as uh, had a, you know, 40, 50, 60-hour week job at Jambase, uh, and wow. Wow. just thought I couldn't, I wasn't, well, I, you know, at the time, I knew that Backyard Tire Fire was not probably going to take off to the level that you know, I had always hoped that they would, uh, yeah. the, the writing started to be on the wall, uh, and trampled by turtles came around and, yeah. but I could, I didn't have it. They, they tangentially, they, they knew backyard tire fire from playing festivals. And, you know, I just didn't have it in me to, to drop backyard tire fire right. and take on trampled by turtles. Uh, so instead what I did and trampled by turtles at the time wanted to, you know, they, they were kind of pig pigeonholed in a jam grass world when yeah, right. you know they write, wrote pop songs and you know had lyrics and and it was not a jam band thing <laughs> per se right, other right, than right. other than the instrumentation sure um and or you know and and instrumentation well, the musicianship. Being, you know more Certainly. more in the musicianship yeah, yeah. And, and so but but they wanted to break more into the to the Avett brothers world yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. you know yes and it just so happened that the night after i met trampled by turtles in person and saw them at Mercury Lounge, uh, a gentleman who was a manager at 30 Tigers, Christian Oreau, was visiting New York, and we went out for drinks. And he worked for 30 Tigers, who put out the Avett Brothers records, and mm -hmm. it just seemed like a great potential partnership. And we yeah. had known each other through managing other smaller acts, so we started managing. So, you know, I asked him if he ever thought about co-managing a band, and uh, a month later, we were co-managing Trample by Turtles. I so, love that. I love uh, that. Yeah, it just kind of happened, and I think that at that time we both were uh, had strengths and uh, that, that that made us better managers as a duo than you know as as single managers. Uh, so you know, so eventually you know I was making just enough money to uh, quit Jambase and you know jumped off the bridge hoping to land on my feet and. Uh, 
and had started my own management company. The, the first management company I had was named GSH Management, my initials. Uh, and <laughs> it, it, looking back on that and uh, the horrific logo that I had uh, and the, the uninspired name that I had, I was not ready to, to have my own management company. Right. Uh, but but soon enough, uh, Trample by Troubles was making enough money that we and was busy enough that we needed to hire somebody. So. At that time, it made sense for me to join 30 Tigers and, uh, you know, do it under their umbrella. So, right. Yeah. So, and, and 30 Tigers is a unique organization in that it, it had, uh, you know, with the Avett brothers and also Jason Isbell, uh, they had started um, allowing artists to self-release records uh, right. with a uh, with a team around them, what, what is now known as label services uh, yeah. right. company. Yep. So, so worked for them, but as a manager. So there was always a, and there was always kind of a, um, it was kind of a do-it-yourself world yeah, that Thirty right, Tigers right. was. So, uh, and and you know, I at the time, uh, David and Nancy, who were in the company, who were great, great people and really smart and passionate. Uh, you know, they they gave us whatever we, you know, what what we needed to help aid our management business. So. Um, Which is very so yeah. cool and very cutting edge at, at the time. I mean, that that's right because we're talking like nine, ten years ago, right? I mean, that's just not that's yeah, not yeah, a model was, that existed. Yeah, it was I believe also the first label services company. Uh, you know, it was five years plus before AWOL. Uh, yeah, right. And, you know, BMG has theirs. Yep. Uh, you know, there, there's 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 a host of them now. But no, this it was it was quite. Uh, revolutionary yeah. um and and it was it was serving a need because uh major label artists had started getting dropped around yeah. that time because mm -hmm. uh record sales were just plummeting because of uh file sharing and yep. uh or file stealing however you would like to <laughs> term it um so <laughs> but yep. you know i so which, which, you know, if you're if you're a 17 year old kid these days, I don't even think you think about that. But for about 20 years, the revenue uh, was just uh, the record business was just decimated by by people stealing music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it's probably cut down by about 75 percent. I could be wrong on that. But but if I like it, it was an astonishing amount of uh, loss of sales. So yeah. all of the artists, uh, you know, even even an artist not. He wasn't on 30 Tigers, but an artist like Tom Waits would get dropped because he was only selling, you know, 50,000 copies of an album, right. 100,000 copies of an album. And for the uh, advance that they were expecting and, and uh, the services that they had gotten accustomed to, it just wasn't a right. model that worked for labels anymore. Right. right. Um, and then suffered for artists because the, uh, the resources weren't there. So um, you're, you're giving up 85% or 80% of your, of your royalties for not much in return because the staff has been cut down by two right. thirds. Right. So, uh, you know, so I think that, that the label service model came up and, and allowed artists that could sell, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 copies of their album uh, and make the money off of it. And, and they already had a fan base. So they, the, the promotion, the heavy uh, promotion wasn't needed to get them off the ground. They were already off the ground. Now it was just right. about communicating to your fan base and selling the records that way. Right.
And again, right. a, an so. incredibly fortuitous place for you to be so that you could see what that looks like and be inside that. Yeah. For where we are yeah. now in the modern model where, you know, you're certainly not depending on a label for tons and tons of record sales and looking, thinking outside the box and other, other streams of revenue and other ways of doing it. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, labels, I, labels serve a great need for an artist. Uh, and, and I think that the last 20 years have given artists a really bad taste in their mouth and a, and a mm -hmm. yeah. misunderstanding of what labels can do yeah. right. at yes. their best. Right. You know, uh, like even when I'm talking to, to younger artists or just art, when I'm talking to artists and I say, well, what do you, what do you need a label for? And I, you know, can usually respond with, okay, well, how many of your favorite records are on major labels? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know, okay. So a hundred percent. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, aside from chance, the rapper or Macklemore or, you know, who were actually, well, not Chance the Rapper. He's a, he's a unique example, but you know, you need yeah. a team. You need a team, and you need capital to market yeah. yourself. Right. And uh, if the deal looks right, you know, and you need a partner to help you, uh, you know, create to to just help you navigate the the waters. Um, and and I think that that's the biggest unfortunate uh, part about the labels uh, being decimated over the last twenty years is I think that it's arrived us at this point of just like pop and you know hip-hop also but but really pop is 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 all that they're focused on at this point right. um and i think right. that's it, it was they had to focus up solely on that because they needed to sell records to keep the lights on right um, so i think you've lost like there's been like 20 years lost of creativity because artists in non-pop formats were not given the proper uh nurturing that labels historically would give to artists yes yeah, so, absolutely it's yeah. one of the things that adam and i talk about all the time it's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast that's, that's why we started <laughs> that's doing trying to go all right is to, all the young artists need to know some real things before some stuff that the, here's the stuff that the industry doesn't do anymore and yeah. it still well, and needs to be I, done yeah i i think even i mean it, you know a and R people like like okay as an artist you know every producer who's out there how many records have you made in your career right, <laughs> you know right right what are the what are the pitfalls of making a record yeah you know it, it's uh it's it's having a partner who's done it before and you know a manager can only do that to a certain extent you know my job is not uh, making records right so I think it's it's right. uh and I think you know for for the label services model where it's where it's in my opinion it, at its best is when you've got an artist who is so unique or special and, and knows exactly what they want, you know, I think the Avett brothers fell into that category. That's they right. were so specific and, it, you know, and Chance the Rapper would be a similar, a similar mm -hmm. case of that. But, but, mm -hmm. you know, I think that uh, many artists, it, it, <laughs> if you're not that, that very, 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 very select few, uh, there are partners that can help you be your better self. And, you know, ultimately the Avett brothers had a great manager and, you know, David C.S. at 30 Tigers put in a and r and work with them. And so, so it's, it, it, I think that it, it, artists can overlook, uh, can overlook the 
reality that exists because when there's success, it's usually not the artist saying, hey, it was all my label and my manager and my team who made me successful. It, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> right, just, right. Just, just like with this podcast, it's all about me. You know, yeah, it's, uh, right. it's yeah. right. so I think that I think that uh, that artists, unfortunately, over the last 20 years have gotten a misunderstanding that uh, that there are partners out there who can help you uh, just like in any facet of your life. Absolutely. Um, and, and to, that doesn't mean you need to, to sell your soul to get a record deal. And right. it has to be the right deal and the right partner, but, but just to write it off is right. also the wrong, is also the wrong way of doing it. Well, and it's also not the ultimate solution to anything, right? It's not going to, yeah. if you're not fully developed or you're not, you know, uh, writing good, songs that are attracting a fan base or you don't have your image locked down or yep. know, any number of things, getting a deal isn't going to solve any of that either. No, no, no. Getting a deal. I mean, you have to be driving the ship. And, you know, I think, I think that Rambo didn't surprise would be a really good example of this where they were very DIY, uh, very, very DIY before signing with Electra. And, yeah. um, which, you know, which they took a long time, right? Yeah, you know, it took a long time and they they uh we we needed uh needed to be sure that that was the label for them and they mm -hmm. needed to be sure that that was the label for them as a you know, as a band who's done it themselves. Right. Uh it it's it's tough to make sense of why some label from New York wants to sign you and and you know, and put out your music. There's always, you know, but but it, once it was realized that that was that that the intentions were true and that that was the right partner, you know, they're they're able to help with uh, with styling, with getting the right photographers to right. you know take press photos. To the, I'm really proud of and you know I, of the videos that Rainbow Kid and Surprise has made. Yeah, uh, it's cool. having having a video commissioner who knows how to how, what what directors are gonna be the right director for that song. Yeah. I think that right. um, there's so many facets to building a successful uh, career that uh, if you don't have the best person, you know, focused on each of those facets, uh, it, it, it's something's going to fall short. So I think that it's, uh, you know, I think that major labels are great at, at adding those bigger pieces to the puzzle. But I think that, you know, at, in general, no artist is the best at everything, and and it's just, and it's realizing like, okay, what are my what are my strengths and what makes me special? What separates me? And you know, being honest with yourself, what where could I grow? Um, you know, right. could I grow in my image? Is is the album artwork not as compelling as it should be? Because uh, all of those things, uh, all of those things connect to create success. You know, if you're if you don't have the right image and it doesn't need to be a, a shiny, glossy, beautiful image. But if but if the image isn't aligned with the music, isn't aligned with the live show, mm -hmm. then it's not going to go nearly as far as it would if they were all aligned. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to look like what it sounds like. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to look like it sounds awesome too. <laughs> well, yeah. and I love yeah. you, you describing the you know dialing down as an artist and figuring out exactly who you are and what's special about you. We we harp on that a lot too. We try to get people to think about what their superpower is. What are they better at than everybody else? What, what's amazing about them? Why are they awesome? Yeah, if, yeah. If if you can't do that as an artist, then uh, nobody else is going to be able to. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So um, I, I love this uh, this conversation about uh, 
about labels and and uh, you know and partnering and partnerships and and you've mentioned a couple of different times what not like what nine eleven did and what uh, file stealing oh I'm sorry file sharing um, <laughs> <laughs> did to record sales. And I'm wondering, you know, we talked a little bit about social media and how what an effect that can have on an artist's career. But I'd love to just hear if there's anything else that that you're feeling like you've seen changing in the in the industry for good or for bad, um, you know, that that maybe people aren't hip to that, that they're not really looking at, that they're not aware of it, that you might have a unique perspective on because you're so inside. Yeah, I I. I they probably, if, if you're paying attention, uh, whoever you are, uh, you're probably aware of it, but streaming is changing the landscape and it's, yeah. it's pretty awesome. It's the first time in my career I started in 2002. So it, it feels like the first time in the, you know, 16 year career that it, there's actually a positive res- revenue growth in the, uh, wow. in the record side of the business. So, and, and, and what's so exciting about it for a numbers geek and an analytics geek that I am is <laughs> the ability to see stats. Yes. And, you know, I, it, it really can, the, the artist is now much more in the driver's seat when doing a record deal, uh, because right. you can see, uh, you can see, uh, what the trends are in your streaming and you can make a fairly, you should be able to make a fairly compelling argument about what, uh, what that's worth. Yeah. And if a label is offering you an advance of something and it's not aligned with you're even in the same universe of what you see as the, uh, right. long-term value, uh, and it's not long-term value of a, a made up idea of value, but actually dollars <laughs> and cents value. Yeah. Right. Right. Then it, you shouldn't do the deal. Right. Yeah. You know? And, and I think that that's for the first time in an artist's career, it's not just, uh, made up, uh, you know, I, I fantasies of, well, we can provide you X, Y, Z. You can get more, you can m- much more distill, uh, what uh, you're giving up and what you're getting in return. What can a label actually um, do to get you from, from B to C? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, you know, each label category, uh, has their strengths and has their weaknesses and takes more and, and, and are justified in taking more because mm-hmm. they are providing, you know, to, to run a 200 person office uh, in midtown Manhattan is quite <laughs> different than, uh, you know, slinging records out of your bedroom in Brooklyn. Right, and right. that's yeah. not to say that, it, you know, uh, like Hippocampus is on a, a uh, great label named Grand Jury Records, who are two guys who are really, really talented and work really hard and, and you know, uh, per- at least give the value of five or six people working for you, but yeah. they, uh, but they, but you know, for, for what hippocampus needs right now, uh, they are a perfect fit. Um, and you know, hippocampus has a, has a well-defined, uh, aesthetic. They have right. uh, made music with the producer named BJ burden, uh, the last couple albums and in a very, uh, much more DIY, uh, mindset of, right. uh, you know, delivering the masters without a ton of A&R. And, you know, I think that for what they're doing right now, and they're 23 years old. So for what they're doing right now at 23 and, you know, they're selling out 2000 seat venues around the country and for what they're doing, grand jury's model is perfect. It's perfect. That's not to say that, that's not to say that, 
in two years or three years or five years if they want to be the biggest band in the world and you know uh, it, like you, you can you can look at the trajectories of you know your rems or uh you can you know black keys or artists who have done yeah, it very right. diy for for five six seven years mm -hmm. and all of a sudden uh they're they've gone through it enough and and they've, they've often changed what the sound of mainstream is to to a certain extent so that they can now you know th their music right. has has matured a little bit and uh and so has the how is the main so has the mainstream sound and i think that oftentimes you know at that point you know like an arcade fire signing to columbia right uh, mm -hmm. they're looking at okay what what more can we get from a label partner at that point right um and yeah so yeah, well, and then you've got the flip side to that, where you've got, where you've also got the artists like the the one that always jumps to my mind is Ani DeFranco, who yeah, you know, all those years ago, all the labels wanted, and the best deal that she could get was two bucks a record, and that was outrageously good, uh, would be an outrageously good deal, at the time. Yeah, but she was like going, yeah, I make, but I make four or five bucks. I a make record. four or five bucks a record. Can you can, can you, you really increase my sales enough? to make a difference. And she, you know, made the very calculated decision that because she wasn't a mainstream sound that they really couldn't aid her in that way. Well, I mean, she also was choosing to, because she was not artistically interested in. Right. Well, she wasn't going to change it to a mainstream. Sound. Having anybody on but, that team, but, but yeah. so knowing yourself in that way, you know, so the difference between, you know, something like that and arcade fire is arcade right. fire goes, you know, no, we can definitely be a mainstream sound. Like yeah, and, and that doesn't absolutely. take away from our creative juices. That doesn't take away from what we do. We're pushing what mainstream is. Well, and by the by the the the, the sort of metrics that you're that you're describing, there are going to be a lot more artists in the to be able to be in the position of Arcade Fire or be able to be in the position of Ani DeFranco now because of how many DIY tools there are and and um, uh, well, and the metrics, the analytics that you were talking about. Yeah, streaming that yeah, exist. It, and if, if, yeah, absolutely. And if I, I, as a manager, believe like, unless you are, you know, an 18 year old or, you know, not putting any age on it, but unless you're somebody <laughs> looking to be in the pop space and you need a producer and you need a songwriter and you need right. all of these tools that a label can add to you, uh, I do firmly believe, you know, Rainbow Kid Surprise didn't just jump onto Electra. They had two self-released albums that were, right. that were streaming through the roof. Well, and that's organically. what I meant about it. it took, you took a long time with that because they were already doing great, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they uh, somehow they, they responded to our, our outreach, but no, they were they were doing great before we came along. And I think that that we've uh, very proud of the way that we've guided things since then. But yeah, about yeah. two years ago, we started working with them. But uh, but no, I mean, I. I, I you know, any artist that's ever said, well, I need a manager because they will get, bring me fans. Like, no, that's not how it works. Like a manager <laughs> yes. is there to manage your business that what? already exists. Jeff, and if you're not able to create that business, then there's nothing for a manager to manage. I love that so much. We love that so much. We would love you to say that one more time. Yes. Oh, my God. And please. manager, it does not do what? Uh, what, what does that say? <laughs> a manager is not there to grow your fan base. A, a manager, yeah, a manager is not there to create your business. You need to have a oh. business for a manager to manage. Perfect. Uh, and and then a part then it becomes a partnership where you can right. you know you can help that artist grow uh, sure. 
through the management, but but if you are not already, if you haven't already created enough of a business yourself, then there's nothing to manage. That's beautiful. That's, yes. And that actually leads perfectly into another question we were going to ask, because anybody that we talk to that's in, in your position in the industry and, and has things being thrown at you all the time, I love being able to ask, what kinds of things are do you love seeing... Uh, what are you looking emerging, for in emerging some, artists do? Right. What are you looking for in possible partnership opportunities for you? I think it's uh, it's an artist that is unique, uh, and this is going to sound cliche, <laughs> but an artist yeah. that's that's unique and has a voice that is uh, that is singular and that uh, is something that I haven't seen or heard before, and nice. uh, they have lyrics that uh, that that move people they have uh and they have a developed live show i've, I've found success with okay. bands that are really good at playing live so that's that's a great bit of a hear. niche that that i found myself in and it wasn't you know planned that way it just i, I think came from the background that i have and, and it making sense that that i work with artists that are really good live uh and and so i i think i've gotten I've gotten good at distilling uh, whether they're, you know, the way that they inspire a live audience. And I think that yeah. that's something that's really telling. Uh, I'm listening to this Elvis Presley biography right now. And, uh, and you know, from, from, the, from the jump, that guy was like, people were just freaking out about yeah. his live show. And yeah. he, was, he was communicating something from a live, uh, in a live setting that, uh, that very few people, if, you know, if any have ever been able to, to, yeah. to do. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's entertainment, but it's also, it's, it's artists. I think entertainment is, is really their ability to, uh, channel the audience's energy and give it back to them and, and, and give it back to them in a, a more enlightened fashion in some way. And it, it, it's kind of like running that energy from the audience through them and giving it back. And it, it's kind of a hippy dippy. Not, uh, not at all, man. Idea, but, but, but I mean, I think that, that that is what makes the special artists really special. And if they can do that in a live setting, they can more often than not uh, do it in a record, in a uh, recording studio. No, that, I, so love I, that. yeah, I love that. Yeah. That is so, that is so well articulated. I yeah. love that. That's perfect. Well, a good thing yeah, to, re so. to remind artists of is, you know, what is your artistic, emotional value add to the show? You know, are you, do people get more, feel like they got something when they leave? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that ultimately it's, are you, uh, are you burying your soul on a nightly basis? And like, <laughs> are you, I mean, I, I yes. honestly, yeah. like, yeah, I, no, I definitely. That, that, that artists who are successful share a part of themselves and that yes. no matter how, uh, how talented technically or as a songwriter or, uh, you know, or how, how cool your aesthetic is, if you're not uh, giving somebody like an honest look at, at like your soul, essentially, like yeah. then you're not able to, you're not going to touch people in that way. And I think that that's, uh, artists early on think they need to be this or that when actually all they need to be is themselves. And that's the hardest thing to be is yourself. Oh my God. Amen, that's brother. another pull quote. This is amazing. Amen, brother. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. absolutely. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I think, I think that that's, I mean, frankly, as a, as a, as a uh, 
40-year-old father of three, uh, you know, I, it's like I, I still am trying to make sure that I am who I say I am and, and who I project <laughs> because, I don't know, it's it's not easy to to, ex, to kind of let people inside because it's it's scary. Right. But I think that, in, yeah, and I think that artists, like, they think that a press photo, I mean, it's always funny to me, like, well, where are we going to do the shoot? Where, like, where's the cool <laughs> vibe? It's like, stand in front of a white wall and let the photographer see inside you. That is, you know, like you think of the most iconic press photos, yeah. Bowie or Madonna or Prince, or they're mm. not in the woods. They're not like <laughs> hanging from it. They're not hanging from a tree house or like riding a rocket. No, they're just like, it's a close up of their eyes. Right. And yes. most pe right. people don't want to address that because that's scary as all get out. Yeah, that's yeah, so scary to, yeah. to let people see your, your soul. And yeah. that is what the best artists do really, really well. Wow, man. That's that's you're exactly yeah, right. And, I'm, and, and, I'm pretty much speechless. I, me, me too. Yeah, it really is. It's you know, sort of what is true for music is true for life. The one that always jumps out to me when people talk about artists being themselves and bearing their bearing their soul is Ryan Adams because he he kills me. He could sing Happy yeah. Birthday. He could sing Happy Birthday and I'd be crying. Like I feel that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think I think just going back to Elvis Presley, it's been really just yes. striking to me hearing about it, and and it's like what he was doing that so few people can is just is is letting people in and and letting them feel that excitement that was going on inside him and, and and channeling what they were giving him and uh i think it's you know it's a lot like it's a lot like a preacher at a church i, mean, yes. I know that's maybe a little bit cliche but, no, but, but it's, you're right yeah but it, no but 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 it's the same thing it, it's really just it's it's mining energy and and communicating it back in a in a you know hopefully a beautiful state that you return it absolutely in. well and the thing about elvis though if we turn if we go back to elvis for a second is that elvis also had an amazing manager yeah so i haven't gotten to that part yet and <laughs> yeah. this is why i'm reading the book <laughs> colonel tom parker man we'll, we'll... yeah i know i yeah. i know of him i just i i'm looking forward I, you know it, it's amazing i've been studying music for 40 years and and i'm still like you know haven't haven't Having learned it all, so uh, I oh, got a long got some, way to go. That's awesome. But, uh, we've got some. We've got some good stories to tell you about Colonel Tom that nobody will talk about, but we'll do it off air sometime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, we, I uh, would, I would absolutely love that. We can't thank you enough for sharing some time with us this morning, and oh, um, yeah. absolutely, and dropping some wisdom, <laughs> dropping some knowledge big, bombs, big man. Wave. I love it. This is awesome. Love it. Yeah, well, I I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for thanks for letting me talk for. 45 no, dude, are you kidding me <laughs> this Absolutely. is uh, so much stuff in there for everybody listening make sure you go back and listen to this one again listen to this one really i know i will amazing stuff going on there so thanks so much for cool. for, for uh talking to us man and, and uh we will catch you we soon. look forward to catching up again soon absolutely thanks so much guys this is my right. pleasure i'll talk to you soon. already bye-bye cheers okay that that was amazing that was amazing i mean i'm just, not kidding i definitely have to go back and re-listen to that because he dropped like there's so there was like again, six pull quotes from that. Well, I know where it's, it's talking about exactly what we talk about all the time and, and how important authenticity is. Right. And you can't be authentic if you don't know who you are. And you, you, when the point of being authentic is so that you can bear your soul. Right. And it's, you can't bear a soul if you don't know what it is. Right. Right. I mean, and again, just be, his his advice for artists, you know, be be yourself. Right. Right. Be, go be your. You don't have to sound like what? Sound like right. yourself, man. Sound like you. What do you sound like? Exactly. Be good. Not only that, write great man, lyrics. But the the idea of just just go take your band picture in front of a white wall. Right, close up, close just up, your eyes, just your eyes. And here's the thing: if you can't get a good picture that way, 
Maybe you're not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're not ready for a promo. For a Just promo like picture. when you're writing songs, if you can't play it on an acoustic guitar or a piano, right, with one vocal, it's probably not a song. It's probably not a song yet, man. So no, Unless this it's is an EDM song. In which well, case, yeah, it, well that's could, true. But you could right. do you know a cool EDM Absolutely. song? Absolutely. Piano, just piano. Yeah. So there you go, you guys. We're not kidding. You, you you should go back and listen to that one again. Absolutely. We don't usually say sh- we don't usually shit on you, but you should. Uh, yeah. It's definitely when you should. We're gonna shit on ourselves. <laughs> well, I, I get to edit this, so I get to listen to it again. But as much but, as we want. Exactly. But uh, yeah, just phenomenal stuff. So now you know what it takes to get someone like uh, a Jeff Harrison to be interested in managing you. And as we're always saying, first first step for that is gonna be you're gonna have to be awesome and authentic and yourself. Remember, you're not alone in this. You got this. We got your back. Yeah.